You guys are going to love hearing from Corey today, founder of Untapped, a London-based social media agency, and a woman who was nominated as Female Entrepreneur of the Year by TMC, not to mention she has worked with the British royal family and has managed social media for companies like BBC. You guys are going to want to dial in. You're just going to love hearing her journey as an entrepreneur, launching her first business at the age of 23, um, six years in now, and having a booming agency. Today, she's not only going to tell you her story, but she's also going to unfold for you some really interesting kind of cutting edge things to be doing to really maximize and tap into your social media potential with your brands. She's going to be unpacking some strategy, some content, and some ideas on advertising to really maximize getting started on media as a business owner. I hope you guys enjoy. Hey friend, Melissa Hinault here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a former multiple six-figure executive corporate burnout feeling stuck in the life I built for myself. But using my corporate skills, I took to the internet and have built multiple six and seven figure businesses, showing others how they can build a life they love. Now on this podcast, I share stories of being an entrepreneur, a mom to my three amazing kids, and wife to my wonderful and supportive husband who supports all my wild and crazy dreams. My journey is taking grit and persistence and belief And believe me, I'm still a work in progress that you may witness in real time. Whether it's in our free Burnout to All Out Facebook community or inside my mastermind or even in my coaching programs or maybe just right here on the podcast, I'm laughing and I'm crying with you. I've become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts to take the leap of faith and go all out and live out their dreams. Consider me your mentor in your head and on the go. So let's get started. Hey, we are live now across seas between the United States and the UK right now. We've got the amazing Corey Jones here in the Burnout to All Out podcast today. Corey, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. So excited for you to be here. I was uh, reading up on you today and nothing inspires me more than seeing what someone who's like caught the vision of starting a business young. And so I, you know, without further ado, I really want to share with the audience a little bit about your background before we get started. So Corey, at the ripe age of 23, founded (laughs) Untapped, a London-based social media agency for ambitious brands. Since its launch in 2016, Untapped has worked on content, strategy, advertising with clients around the world, including Virgin Startup, NatWest, Kawasaki, Engines, and Amaze. Is that how we said Kawasaki and Engines on Amaze? Am I saying Amaze. Yeah, yeah, Amaze. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Corey has spoken at conferences such as General Assembly's Talk Data to Me in London and SEM Rush's Global Marketing Day in New York. Offstage and behind the scenes, Corey has also managed live social media at a number of high-profile events, including the BBC and the British Royal Family. I mean, is that amazing? In 2018, she was nominated Female Entrepreneur of the year by TMC. 
So I hope you guys are excited to be inspired by Corey today and learn really about her journey into entrepreneurship at the age of 23 now with this exploding business um, untapped. So Corey, can you take us back to your humble beginnings before you were this powerhouse uh, when you maybe worked for someone else? Can you take us back to your humble beginnings? Yeah, I mean, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> my my first job when I was a teenager, I did a paper round and I made about 11 pounds a day, which is maybe like $15 or something. And I, even then I was trying to like delegate and outsource. Like it wasn't a business. It was, I was obviously employed, but I try and get like my dad to do certain bits <laughs> and my sister was getting involved. And, um, and, you know, then I had a variety of kind of small jobs while I was studying but my first proper jobs were I ran social media for uh, the university that I studied at after I graduated there I, I worked there for a bit and that kind of got me into my first job actually managing social media for a brand and it was really a couple of months into that that then someone in the team their sister needed social media help for her business and they asked if I would want to do it just on the side. And I started to get some sort of freelance clients through that, just through word of mouth, really. And it was very casual. We didn't really have contracts in place. It was like, again, sort of £10 an hour. I was pricing very, very low. And it, it just snowballed from there in terms of going from that nine to five job to actually taking a leap to work for myself. Oh, so awesome. So awesome. So let me go back to when you were in college and you were managing social media for the university, where did you pick up the skill set? Like these are like not necessarily things you go to college and get a degree in doing. You were at the university, I guess, studying. What were, what were you getting your degree in while you were also managing social for the university? So I studied English, which okay. there's not many kind of practical marketing skills in there. It's quite a general one, but mm -hmm. you know, you learn research skills, you learn copywriting attention to detail I think that was quite transferable into marketing but really the way that I got hands-on social media experience was I volunteered for a society in my last year of university mm -hmm. and I was the publicity and recruitment officer for a, wow. a kind of uni-wide charity society called Raise and Give which is mm -hmm. across the UK every university has them and they they had someone in place for that position to be on the society committee and that person dropped out and then someone else on the committee reached out to me and said, would you be interested in doing this? And it, it was one of those things where you had to like give a little speech about why you wanted to be on the committee and you had to get the votes and everything. And I was like, oh, this seems scary. But I just said yes to it and then managed to get the position against the other people who'd applied. Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, first lesson in just like say yes to the things that are a bit scary because you don't know where it will lead to. Totally. Oh, my gosh. So it takes guts to take the leap, right? I'm, I'm curious what it took for you to really take the leap and launch your own business full, full scope. And especially at, at such a young age, did you have mentors or other entrepreneurs that were inspiring you or like what helped you make the move? If anything, in a weird way, I think it was the naivety that helped uh -huh. me make the move of being that young and not having done anything business focus before I think if I'd actually known how much hard work it is I'd have probably thought a bit more about it but <laughs> I very much leapt in with the thinking and I remember saying actually to one of my old colleagues at the job that I left I said 
well, I'm only 23. If it goes badly, I'll just turn 24, search for another job. And I'll tell them I went traveling for a year or something. So I kind of felt like I had that safety net of actually being quite young, not having, you know, kids or a mortgage to pay or anything like that, that mm-hmm. I had that freedom to play a bit more with business. And I think what? that's very much how I approached it that really wow. helped me to jump in. My goodness. Okay. And that was in 2016. Yeah. So, you know, so it's been, it's not, it's been eight years, seven, six years. Yeah, it'll be six years this October since okay. officially working for myself. So six years since working for yourself, and you've since created this mega business that has all different aspects to serve and strategy. I saw content, advertising, training, all the things, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that in a couple minutes. But what I would love really is that it was kind of the the naiveness of it. Like you didn't know what you didn't know jumping in. <laughs> yeah. um, Right. And I mean, quite honestly, myself as an entrepreneur, even though I was in corporate for a decade and a half, I still didn't know the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship when I jumped in either. Of course, the stakes maybe would be considered higher because I had a mortgage and kids and, you know, a car payment and all those things. Um, But still, entrepreneurship at its finest, you're drinking water out of a fire hose, right? (laughs) Um, What were some of the most unanticipated challenges that maybe you're proud of maybe share with me maybe an unanticipated challenge that changed you in a way that's like you're proud of and maybe in just a flop that can really and the reason I ask for both is because it's like real right like can have yeah. condensed time for others who aren't quite there yet right so sh- share with me maybe one of the most unanticipated challenges that you're really proud of that you overcame and kind of grew as a professional, as a business owner from that? To me, I really didn't anticipate how many ups and downs come with entrepreneurship. You know, when you're in a nine to five, largely, even though it may not feel like it at the time, largely, it's very predictable. Maybe there's one day where your boss asks you to stay a bit late, or maybe one day you've got a really stressful project on. But ultimately, at the end of the day, come the end of the month, your paycheck lands in your bank account, and you know it's there. With entrepreneurship, there's obviously the ups and downs of money, but there's also the emotional ups and downs as well, right? One day you can be like, this is the best thing in the world. Why would anyone do anything differently? And then the next day you're like, oh my goodness, this is the worst decision I've ever made because you've got like another person saying no or, you know, like staff member like leaving or something like that just throws up a challenge. So the thing that I'm proudest of overall really is the resilience to mm-hmm. six years in still be going, still be, you know, growing and making money and working with clients that that we love working with. And in terms of a flop or something that I would do differently looking back, I did not put enough emphasis on sales early enough in the business. When I first started working for myself, I thought, you know, I'm a social media consultant. That's all I really need to do. And I and when I left my job to go into working for myself, I thought, well, I know how to manage social media for people. So this will be fine. And I really didn't think of all the other areas of being a business and all the different hats you have to wear in terms of, you know, finance and admin and being HR if you start to manage staff and doing payroll and all of that. And for ages, I really resisted being a salesperson until it was maybe like 
two, three years in, actually quite a while, that I started to every day try and learn more about sales and how to be better at sales because I realized that that is everything. That's how we win clients. That's how we make money. That's how you convince people to be on your team. That's how you sell the business generally when you're doing you know, public speaking or podcasts like this one. You can't have a business without doing sales. So yes. now any business owner I speak to, I'm like, you're basically a salesperson. Yes. Whatever it is that your skills are within the business, you still have to be a salesperson. So I had so many mistakes made because I didn't focus on that soon enough. Oh, that's so timely. You know, I was hosting a masterclass just today and it oh, was really? about sales, high ticket sales and the skill set of understanding the psychology of sales and how, you know, I speak to the fact that we're not selling. We are selling, but we're serving. And in order to serve, we have to sell to get the transformation yeah. for the client. Right. And we have to sell in order to feed and pay our staff and to fulfill our dreams and all those things, right? So I'm so glad you hit on that because I do, I do believe in entrepreneurship. There's, you know, a lot of us are these big dreamers and these big idea people, but then, but then when it comes to actually selling and owning and owning it, it's like a whole different skill set than being the creative, right? Yeah, completely. And I feel like because it's branded as sales, people immediately think of like a Wolf of Wall Street guy in a sort of flashy suit and tie who's uh -huh. going to completely scam you. Right. Actually, sales to me, now with the way that I approach it, like I had a, a pitch meeting two days ago with a, a client or potential client who I think would be really great to work with. I think we'd, we've worked with brands similar before and we got amazing results for them. And I think it'd be a really great fit. Like the team's already really excited about it. So when I was on that pitch meeting, I didn't feel like I was so much selling as I was just like explaining our enthusiasm yes. to work together and all the the great things we would do and how, you know, the issues that they're having with like not having enough time for social media or not having the knowledge of it or having a small team needing to outsource. We are there to solve those problems. So you don't feel like you're ramming some really sleazy sales message down. Totally. Bro, it's just like you've got this issue I've got this solution it makes sense for us to have this conversation totally I know and we we call them clarity calls right you come to the call and get mm -hmm. clarity is it a right fit are we here to serve you are you right um yeah it works that. both ways yeah totally so Corey what's really interesting is I see that you have when I went on your website you you really offer services in a couple of different areas, all the way, including training. So you're not only serving clients, but you're, it sounds like you're even training people to do it themselves. I'm curious how that has evolved in your business, right? Because I think people, you know, come in with maybe one business idea or one service. I'm curious how you got started and then how you stacked or evolved with what you have to offer today versus where you started. Mm, it's a really good question. We started predominantly doing social media content so you know similar to how we would do today we come up with the content ideas for a brand we do all the copywriting all the design video motion all the creating the assets and posting all of that content we'll completely from start to finish manage that for a brand so that they've got organic content going out on their channels mm -hmm. that was what we started with because that was very much my skill set and I knew it so I could do that for brands before we had the revenue coming in to hire people. Now with offering advertising, that was not a skill set I had at all. I tried it for a couple of clients and I was like, right, this is definitely 
a weakness area of mine that we need to hire people for. So now we have staff in place that manage that who are not me, which is great. Are you struggling to generate leads on Facebook and Instagram? Do you want to attract and close more high quality leads without having to rely on ads and the hustle of Instagram and Facebook? Most service-based online business owners are stuck trying to build their audiences and launches using overly saturated Facebook groups, ads, and DMing strategies, and they are struggling, but there's a better place and way to connect with ideal clients. It's on LinkedIn. You guys, you know me, Melissa Hanal. I've tapped into the power of LinkedIn to generate leads and grow six and seven figure businesses online. We just hit six figures just last month and 80% of our six figure sales were from organic leads, not from ads. I teach all types of business owners how to attract and close their ideal clients with ease. I'm hosting a free masterclass where I'm teaching how to generate thousands of high quality leads on LinkedIn without paying a fortune with Facebook ads and without exhausting yourself trying to stand out in a saturated market. Imagine generating warm leads instead of cold ones with ads, resulting in a higher conversion rate. Imagine marketing to an audience with the money mindset and the income to invest in what you have to offer. Register for free today at our website, www.burnouttoallout.co. That's www.burnouttoallout.co or jump into my free Facebook community, Burnout to All Out, and just make a post in there and say, hey, I need a concierge. Get me signed up for this next workshop. Can't wait to see you on the back end. Next up, I'd love for you to just listen to some of our clients currently in the academy and listen to how they're winning with our strategies. And the training, so we offer training sessions for people who don't necessarily want to outsource and have done for you services with an agency each month. Mm -hmm. Um, We recognize that there's some startups that reach out to us or even some larger corporates who've got maybe 10 people in their marketing team, but they just want to get an up-to-date, a bit of a refresh on, on social media. Those types of brands don't want us there every month, but it's really helpful if they can have a couple of hours of our time. So that's really where the training came in, that we didn't want to start turning people away who weren't ready for those kind of fuller retainer services and training sessions are so fun as well and I think they give us the ability to really kind of always be at the forefront because we need Mm -hmm. to know what we're talking about to be able to train other people on it. So would you say that you evolved into creating the ads because you saw it was a need with your client base and instead of just handing them over to someone else you decided uh, let's keep this customer and and offer this additional offering. And then the same thing yeah. with with the training. It was like, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is many times what I see in entrepreneurship is like you, you see a new need for your client. So it's like, what can you stack on that's within your zone of genius? Or can you build out to retain the client versus handing them over? Do you feel like that was kind of the process for you? Completely. And I don't know if it's, you know, greed or being kind of like shrewd about it. But I think I just identified that it's, it takes so much effort and energy to win a client that if someone's coming to you and saying, this is the need that I have, and you know that you could add on to the business and, and therefore grow what you're doing and service that client. Great. That was our approach. I didn't want to turn people away who wanted advertising help or you know, training just because I felt like that wasn't the core of what we did. And and now those four services are completely the core of what we do. And everyone in the team is very trained up on all of those. 
we do have people that still come and say, could you build a website or could you do our SEO? And we don't currently touch anything that's outside of social media. So we've got very trusted partners who will pass people to for that. Mm-hmm. But I named it untapped. The, well, the website's untapped digital. It's not untapped social. So there is like potential to quite easily branch out into that later. But right now we're very much specialist social media and that's what we know and that's what we love doing. Totally. And Corey, I, I agree with you 100%. Finding new customers takes more time, energy and money than retaining current customers. Yeah. So yeah. And I, and I think it's smart business and the relationship and rapport is already there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same with staff that you have in your team as well, that Mm -hmm. if you have someone who performs amazingly, they know all the clients, they've got a great relationship with them, but so many businesses will do things like, you know, they don't want to give someone a pay rise or they don't want to give them really good benefits or those really good people will look elsewhere. And then actually Mm -hmm. you'll be in the situation where you have to put out a job ad to hire someone else. You've then got whoever's on the interview panel, maybe there's three or four people on the interview panel they all have to take a day out of their calendar to do the interviews. You know, maybe you don't find someone good first time. That takes so much effort and resource. Yeah. And then even when you find a new person who's really good, you then have to train them up again yeah. for months and months to be where the other person was. Mm-hmm. So I think... And then you have to introduce with, them to the client as like a new teammate, right? Yeah, exactly. And and there, right? Yeah, they have to build the trust up. And the yeah. client maybe is kind of sad that they they miss the old account manager. They, right. they don't, you know... And then like, you don't know if the client's going to leave. So it's the same thing, I think, with clients and staff that you really need to put in the energy to the people that are there rather than constantly thinking, okay, I'll just get like new people in. Totally. It's almost like your most important customer is your employees, right? Because the, the more satisfied they are, that energy reflects into the client base. I love that. It's so true. Okay, well, let's jump into some tactical education for our audience. You know, I know that you really you really focus on areas that brands are missing today that they can tap into maybe in their social media potential. If we were talking strategy, out of what you see today with strategy out there on social, with the brands that you work with and just that come to you and that you see out there, what maybe, what are one or two things that they're missing today that they could potentially pay more attention to or do differently that could literally just help them. I know, obviously, it's not like investing in your agency, but any, any, you know, just pearls of wisdom when it comes to strategy with their brand that they could be doing today that they're not. Yeah, sure. So two things immediately come to mind. One would be, we see so many brands on social media that doing social for their audience, they're doing it for themselves. So they'll post the salesy promotional messages they want to post. They'll post the stuff that they think is really interesting. But actually, there's a very quick uh, trick that you can run all of your social media content through to make sure it's really good. Once you've written it and you're ready to post, ask yourself, so what? Who cares? And think as if you're your audience member. Why would I care about this? Would I like it? What would I comment? Would I share? And you can build up these customer personas where you look at both the demographics of your ideal target audience. So that would be things like their age, where they live, what they've studied. And then you can also look at the psychographics, which is what a lot of people miss as well. And the psychographics is the psychology of your audience, the types of things they dream about, what they value, what they hope for. So if you've got both of those down and you know that you're creating content for your audience, that will get you a lot further. The second thing is not jumping on trends and not finding a way to 
weave your brand into this kind of popular content that you see on social that's such a quick win that will get you much higher reach and much higher engagement things like Wordle that's everywhere at the moment so many brands you know created ads in the style of Wordle to jump on something that all consumers are are doing and is so just like baked into popular culture right now even trending sounds trending music on reels on Instagram if you're not using them you're just doing yourself a disservice because you're making it much harder for your brand to get cut through and get attention so those two things knowing your audience and creating content for them and then being very reactive about the trending content that you can make ah and what would you say is most trending right now well it depends on the channel on instagram i'd say if you're not doing reels then you're really losing out on reach reels that are very kind of fun and lighthearted and again using those kind of trending sounds but adapting them to your brand is super important on LinkedIn, we're seeing such a shift from the kind of educational content to stuff that's a lot more personal story, personal branding over company pages. So that'd be another thing to consider if you're not doing anything with like your founders or your senior team or even junior staff in your business. If they're not looking at building a personal brand for your company, I'd really think about how you can harness those people to be advocates for what you're doing rather than just posting from your LinkedIn company page which really not a lot of people are looking at yeah yeah okay so good okay awesome so that's really around strategy and I, I you've kind of talked to content a little bit but can you you know if there's trending areas that you see from a content standpoint that if people are missing today they could do more you know I've we've talked a little bit about making it more personal on LinkedIn, talked about using reels as far as content, but anything else that you would speak to specifically of actual content that you put out as a business owner that would make you more effective that you could tap into to make, you know, just to have more potential with your social media today? Yeah, I was having a conversation about this earlier, actually, um, with someone who, who works at one of our clients. And we were talking about accessibility and diversity and inclusion through content and how really it's astounding that so many brands still miss that so that can look like something like if you put a video up absolutely every single time caption it add subtitles to it because Mm -hmm. 60% of people scroll through a social media feed without the sound turned on so not only are captions good for accessibility and for helping people who are hard of hearing which is just a good human thing to do for people anyway Mm -hmm. But you're also missing out on so many people who might be like on the train and and they don't have their headphones or maybe they're at work just having a cheeky little scroll on social Mm -hmm. and you want them to be able to still consume your content. So absolutely think about the things like that with accessibility and there's tons more on that that you can Google. But also from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, I think in content this year, all brands really need to be thinking about how you can make your content much more inclusive in terms of who you're putting in your imagery and how you're kind of framing things there's an amazing subscription razor brand called estrid who i would recommend if you want to see best practice social media going to their instagram page because they are like the only razor company you really see that actually show people with hair shaving in their adverts if you think about things like gillette or stuff it's often an already perfectly shaved woman's leg in the shower And then they'll shave the leg again. And you're kind of like, right, so you're presenting this product. You're not actually showing it in proper use. Whereas Estrid, their mantra is like real people. They've they've got this 
tagline in their Instagram that says hairy and non-hairy people welcome here like they're very much sort of your body your choice so things like that like actually taking a stance in your content and really being very strong on this is what we stand for this is what we don't stand for I think we'll see so much more of and brands should definitely be doing in Mm. 2022. Mm, so good. Well, and that makes me even think of what's gone viral with the new Victoria. Is it Victoria Secrets model who has Down yeah, syndrome, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So exactly. That makes, makes total sense. So good. Okay. So let's talk about advertising. A lot of my audience are newer entrepreneurs. Maybe this is kind of their first experience of even considering investing in advertising. What are the biggest mistakes people make that you see coming in to work with you if they've maybe taken a stab at ads or not using ads or you know, just two or three high points here on a newer entrepreneur that they could be tapping into today that they're not. The first thing really to think about is do not feel like ads are a quick fix for a business model that isn't working anyway. Ads are basically just taking whatever you've done organically and they're showing it to even more people. So if you're finding organically that people are going to your website and they're bouncing, they're not buying and you know the the time they spent on the site is 2 seconds versus like 20, you need to fix all that stuff first. You need to have a website that's converting and you need to have a funnel that makes sense. You need to have, you know, shipping and delivery in order or your service in order, whatever it is that you're offering. If you take a badly converting website and a bad product or service to ads you're basically just going to be paying money to have thousands more people have the same bad user journey that the organic people were having so don't make that mistake because you will be losing money there and then once you've got all of that in order really the the second thing I would say is a b test as much as you possibly can so an a b test would be where you say, okay, we're going to have one ad, which is an image, and we're going to have one ad, which is a video, and we're going to do everything else the same, but that's the only change. We're going to test with the audience which works better. Mm -hmm. That would be an A-B test on your creative. You can also do an A-B test with your audience. So maybe you think 20 to 40-year-olds really love my product. You could have one A-B test for 20 to 30, one for 30 to 40, and then you're, you're seeing within that demographic who reacts better. If you do enough A-B tests, you will get to the point where you have so much data and information about what your audience responds to. You're actually then, you can optimize for the best performing advert. So there might be one ad that is giving you, you know, click-throughs that cost a pound and one advert that gives you click-throughs that cost 10p. Obviously, you want to go with the cheaper one. So set up a ton of ads at first, do small amounts of budget A-B testing them, and then put your budget fully into the ad that performs the best. Mm, that makes total sense. What are you seeing? Speaking of ads right now, what are you seeing in general is performing better images, uh, static images, videos. Um, recently there was a discussion that it's almost more of just like the total selfie raw and real short text that's, that's doing well. Can you speak to it a little bit? Like what are you seeing right now? We're seeing authentic stuff works so much better than polished. So if you do have the opportunity for your brand to do some kind of user-generated content or something that feels quite off the cuff and not super salesy or marketing, I would go for that over spending, you know, thousands on creating some really polished corporate video. Um, I think that's generally a good idea for return on investment anyway to go with what's authentic. Um, We're seeing actually carousels working really well rather than static images and sometimes even for our clients they outperform video 
a carousel where there's information on each image people can swipe through and it's almost a bit of a, a journey that you've got the first image is very much telling them about the the product or brand and then you've got maybe some testimonials or some kind of proof of concept and then the call to action at the end and you can actually ask Facebook to arrange those carousels in the order so that the first one to show up is the one that most people are clicking on. So that's quite a good tip as well to try and optimize them to get even more clicks. Absolutely. And over on LinkedIn, you can create the carousel too, which is really cool. Yeah. So you can kind yeah. of use it everywhere. So good. I've, I took notes. I'm like, this so <laughs> helpful, Corey. Well, Corey, good, I'm glad. Where, where can folks find you? So people can find me personally on Instagram. I'm at Corey F. Jones. It's C-O-R-R-I-E. Um, F-J-O-N-E-S and then if you search me on LinkedIn or any other channels it's Corey Jones and our website if you want to find out more about what we do as a social media agency is www.untappeddigital.co Awesome, awesome Well thank you so much for showing up today I know it's late over where you are If I'm oh, pleasure. Day, I know it's even later for you <laughs> So thank you so much for just sharing your knowledge today. You guys go check her out. Sounds like she's got some phenomenal resources to serve. And um, she works worldwide. You guys work worldwide, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. We've got clients in the States. So yeah, anyone's very welcome to get in touch. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out. And make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second gave me that five-star review of the show and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode.